You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual You've heard me cite, I love this quote, this Maya Angelou quote, you know it, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. It's really relevant, that particular Maya Angelou quote, when it comes to sex and relationship advice. When someone shows you they're violent or abusive or that they can't be trusted with you alone in a room, naked and hard, believe them the first time they show you that. But earlier this week, I wondered, you know, sometimes people tell us who they are. They show us who they are. They make it really clear to us without realizing it themselves, without knowing who they are. Take, for instance, Paul Gazelka. He is the majority leader of the Minnesota State Senate, which I didn't realize was controlled by Republicans. Hopefully the coming 2020 blue wave will take care of that. It's a one-seat deal. The Republicans only have that chamber by one seat. Let's fix that in November of 2020, along with everything else we have to fix. Anyway, Gazelka, Senator Gazelka, is an anti-LGBT bigot, anti-gay bigot. He put one of his own children through conversion therapy. It didn't work. It never works. And Gina Gazelka has publicly condemned their father for his bigotry. Senator Gazelka, you know the score. He opposes gay marriage, gay people becoming parents. He supports religious liberty laws that would allow people to discriminate against LGBT people and single parents and cohabitating straight people and women who use birth control and non-Christians, so long as the bigot remembered to cross themselves and cite their sincerely held religious beliefs before discriminating against someone. Gazelka has been doing his anti-gay thing as a member of the Minnesota State Legislature since 2005, three terms in the Senate now. And last week, the news site Minnesota Reformer reported on an interview Gazelka did with Andrew Womack, a right-wing Christian activist slash nut, a man who claims to have raised his own son from the dead. And the gays came up because, of course, we did. Because, like Jesus said, wherever two or more of you are gathered in my name, you're probably going to start talking about all that hot, hot gay sex you aren't interested in having. There's science out there. Science. Actual science that shows homophobic men are aroused by homosexual pornography, which is why we keep catching homophobes, public homophobes, with rent boys in their mouths. Well, I think Gazelka might have told us who he might be during this interview. And he's exactly, or he may be, exactly who the science possibly says he is. Let's take a listen. I'm elbow deep uh, trying to connect to the gay community and all the different groups of people. I look at Jesus' life, and he was attractive to the sinner. The sinner loved to be around Jesus. And so I had to ask myself that. Mm. Are the people I'm around, are they attracted to me? You know, and sometimes uh, I, I plant a seed that I know produces fruit down the roads. But it comes from a relationship that's that's oozing with the love of Christ and the truth of his word. Elbow deep. If you want to connect with the gay community, that's how it's done. Elbow deep. That's how we like it. He also hopes gay men are attracted to him. He wants to plant a seed. And what is it you said that you were oozing with, Senator? The love of Christ? We call it pre-cum over at our place. But you can have your very own euphemism if it makes you feel better. That's what we call a whole lot of tells. When I hear a homophobe talking like that, I think, yeah, there could be a rent boy in this dude's future. Senator Gazelka, when you are ready, 
I'm here for you, 206-302-2064. When you need advice, when you need to walk back your entire adult life, give me a call. Finally, a darker note. We also found out who Rodney Dean Luffman was last week, too. Pastor Rodney Dean Luffman. Now facing 80 charges of indecent liberties, 35 charges of sexual offenses. His victims, according to authorities, range in age from four years old to 16 years old. Luffman is 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 the pastor of Open Arms Outreach Ministries. Still, as of this taping, the pastor. Hemant Mata, the friendly atheist, reports Luffman sent out a string of cryptic messages on his Facebook page shortly before his arrest, asking his parishioners to pray for him. And perhaps more importantly, not to believe anything they might hear about him on the news. A quick Google search reveals Luffman was just one of more than a dozen preachers, priests, and youth pastors that were arrested or sentenced for sex crimes last week, most of them committed against children. But remember, gang, it's Drag Queen Story Hour that poses a danger to kids. Not the man up there on the altar, the man up there in the Minnesota State Legislature who claims to speak for God and would very much like you to drop your small children off at Bible study. All right, brief programming note, the acclaimed Showtime documentary series Couples Therapy is seeking couples in the greater New York City area to participate in a second season. If you're interested, you can sign up at CouplesTherapyDocumentary.com. Just takes a minute to apply. This is really an amazing show. It's therapy, not reality TV. It actually helped the couples in the first season. Multiple couples on the first season even said it saved their marriage. The therapist, Orna, I know personally, she is dynamite. New York Magazine raves. It's a near miracle of docuseries that works because its filmmakers were committed to making it as ethically as they could. If you would like to be a couple on Couples Therapy Season 2, again, go to CouplesTherapyDocumentary.com. Just takes a minute to apply. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro edition of the Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com. Twice as much show, no ads, bonus guests. Dr. Eli Sheff from Psychology Today joins us to talk about kids growing up in poly households and poly families. All that coming up on today's show. Have you heard about Eva? It's a vibrator for couples that provides hand-free clitoral stimulation in a small, powerful package. And it's made by Dame Products, a woman-founded company making the world a better place, one satisfied vulva at a time. Visit dameproducts.com savage to learn more. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by adamandeve.com. Get 50% off one item and free shipping when you enter the offer code SAVAGE at checkout. Me Undies makes feel-good underpants your butt will be proud to wear and you will be proud to be seen in. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out yourself, go to MeUndies.com slash Savage. Hi, Dan. 40-year-old straight guy here from the Northeast. I've been divorced from my wife for a little more than a year. I have a son who's 16 and a daughter who just turned 20. And for almost a year, I've had a great girlfriend who's 11 years younger than me. Last summer, I took my girlfriend on a trip to the Mediterranean, Spain, to Greece, um, places in between. And after we'd been there a couple of weeks, my daughter and her boyfriend joined us for the rest of the trip. This was pretty early in getting to know my girlfriend, so we were pretty sexually charged during the trip. Uh, Among other things, we took in our share of nude beaches and resorts that some of that region is famous for. My daughter and her boyfriend also enjoyed these with us, and I should add that both of my kids uh, visited nude nude beaches with my ex-wife and me 
when they were growing up. We've been planning another trip for this coming summer, accompanied again by my daughter and her boyfriend, but also by my son this time. Here's the thing. My girlfriend recently divulged that the sexual charge of the last trip was not only between me and her, but that she had a threesome with my daughter and her boyfriend while we were in Greece. Uh, I was pretty floored by this news, still processing it a bit. On one hand, I raised my children to be sex positive, so I don't blame the kids for indulging the pleasure. My daughter, her boyfriend, and my girlfriend are young pretty hot sexual beings. Uh, Also, my girlfriend and I haven't actually discussed monogamy or open relationships, uh, anything like that. So I don't really feel that any rules were broken on that front. And some of our shared fantasies do involve other people. However, just not, uh, at least in my mind, uh, the two involved here. I guess I feel somewhat betrayed because I wasn't informed at the time, but I also understand the reluctance of all parties to speak freely of this. In another sense, I feel a peculiar jealousy because there was this tryst going on, but I wasn't invited to the party, so to speak. In general, I'd say my feelings about this are muddled and I'm looking for more clarity. I'm also unclear about how to deal with this on our upcoming trip. I don't want to put a damper on by having this overshadow what otherwise would be a great time, but this knowledge can't help but come into play in my own mind as we travel, and I'm not sure how that will play out. Part of me wishes that I don't know about this. I'm wondering if you might have any advice about how to deal with this indiscretion over the short term maybe during our upcoming trip, or and how to keep it in perspective for the longer term. So just to be clear, the party you feel like you weren't invited to, the tryst you feel excluded from that you missed out on, was a three-way with your daughter and your daughter's boyfriend and your girlfriend. I hope when you listened to yourself just then that how odd that sounds leapt out at you. That is a party you don't want to be invited to, the three-way with your daughter. That is a tryst that you should be excluded from. It's a tryst that your girlfriend should not have had with her boyfriend's adult child and her boyfriend's adult daughter's – her boyfriend's adult child's boyfriend – Cancel the upcoming vacation. I have said for years, one of my sort of like go-to isms is, you know, if you're with somebody for 20 years, you should be able to forgive the hand job on the business trip in a, from a masseuse, right? That that's a kind of cheating that I think a couple in a long-term committed relationship should be able to process and get past. Fucked your sister on your wedding night? Probably not something that you could get past. To that short, short list of things you might not be able to get past, I will now add, had a three-way with your daughter and your daughter's boyfriend on a European vacation. I will add that to the list of things you probably can't get past. This is a betrayal. This is on your girlfriend's part early in your relationship. Such a colossal error in judgment. Such a colossal moral blind spot that it's disqualifying. Wait a minute. You tell me now that you fucked my daughter on when you were on vacation with me, my daughter who's nine years younger than you, and you fucked her boyfriend too when you were on vacation with me? That's not okay. That's like fucking sister on my wedding. Right? That's not something I'm going to be able to pass. It's not something I'm going to be able to forgive. And so this is 
the end. What you shouldn't be doing is planning another vacation with your children with the woman who already fucked one of your kids on a previous vacation. What's the party you're hoping to be invited to in the future on this upcoming vacation? You're hoping to be invited to the four-way with your girlfriend, your son, your daughter, and your daughter's boyfriend? I certainly hope not, and I don't think so, actually. I think you just kind of got out rhetorically over your skis there a little bit. But you need to see this for what it is, a deeply, deeply fucked up situation. And not just fucked up on the part of your girlfriend, but also a little fucked up of your daughter to sleep with her father's girlfriend or her father's brand new girlfriend and her boyfriend on this vacation behind her father's back. It, it sounds like blind spots are hereditary and endemic in your family somehow. Call this off. End this relationship. You're recently out of a long-term relationship, recently out of your marriage. This is Chalk this one up to bad judgment, blind spots, and rebound. This relationship with this woman who fucked your daughter and your daughter's boyfriend on the vacation that you were on with her. Please don't go on vacation with her again. Please don't take her away to a nude beach with your daughter and your son again. You need to establish some boundaries with your children and establish much clearer boundaries in any future relationships you might happen to find yourself in and have a little bit more clarity yourself about what parties you want and don't want to be invited to. And sex positivity is wonderful. I consider myself a sex positive person, but there are limits. There is sex positivity, which involves a healthy respect for other people's emotions, other people's boundaries. And then there's anything goes. And sex positivity doesn't mean anything goes and there are no rules and there are no reasonable expectations or reasonable assumptions. And finally, Hail Mary Pass here, just kind of hoping against hope. There are malignant narcissists out there in the world. There are people who will lie to people about their loved ones in an effort to isolate them from their loved ones. It is possible that your girlfriend made this up. I'm hoping actually that your girlfriend is the bad actor here, but there were no bad actions on this vacation that she lied to you. What I'm hoping is that she lied to you about what happened in an effort to cause a disruption, to, to estrange you from your daughter and perhaps your son too, to cause a big rift in the family so that she can have you all to yourself. It is a thing that some deeply shitty people have done blown into relationships, entered into relationships, inserted themselves between parents and their children in a new romantic relationship, and then lied and lied and lied to blow those relationships up so they are the only one, so that they are the most important person in their new partner's life. That is the thing that has happened, and I'm kind of hoping, somehow hoping against hope, that that is the thing that happened here. If you haven't discussed this with your daughter, if the only thing you have to go on is your girlfriend's word, and your girlfriend is the kind of person who would do this or say this, even if she didn't do it, you might want to confirm that this happened with your daughter before you take any actions, however awkward that conversation might be. Hi, Dan. I'm a 32-year-old woman, and I have a 17-year-old little sister who is still in high school. She's recently started dating a 21-year-old man. She says they met on Facebook through a friend, but my guess is she was probably using the Facebook dating app. She has my parents' full blessing on this relationship. 
I've tried confronting them about it and they say he's a really nice guy and they can't stop her. And if this would have happened when I was 17, they couldn't have stopped me either. And although that may be true, I don't think it's that bad to have higher hopes and higher standards for her. Although I've never met this guy, he totally gives me the creeps because I remember being 21 and I didn't want anything to do with any high schoolers. My parents say that four years difference isn't that big of a deal, but at their ages, I think it is. My sister is fully aware that I disapprove, but she's emboldened due to the support of my parents. Might I add that my dad is a county sheriff and he's basically consenting to statutory rape. There's a concert coming up at the end of this month that I got tickets to for my sister and I, and she's now telling me that the dude bought a ticket to and is coming with. I'm really annoyed by this. I don't want to support her in this situation, but I don't know what to do. You haven't met this guy. Your parents have. They're comfortable with your sister dating this guy. You're not. Maybe if you met the guy, maybe if you gave him a chance, maybe if you provided for your sister what your parents are providing for your sister, which is scrutiny, vetting, uh, not outside interference, but engagement. There's a kind of accountability loop that this boy has entered. This boy, this man, this 21-year-old man has entered in that your parents are talking to him and he knows that they know that he's in this relationship with their daughter and she's able to be open with your parents about this relationship. So if he pulls anything as the all of four years older and more powerful person in the relationship, if he attempts to manipulate or abuse her, your sister can be open with her parents about what's going on in her relationship. And then if it gets creepy or manipulative or exploitative in in actual fact, not just the numbers making you uncomfortable, but things he's actually doing that make your parents uncomfortable, they're in a position to shut it down. And they haven't Romeo and Julieted your sister about it. They didn't intervene right away to shut it down because they disapproved. They gave it, the relationship, and him a chance. And if they see something that makes them uncomfortable, if they see something as the relationship unfolds in front of them, that leads them to conclude that it's an unhealthy relationship and that he's a bad dude, your sister is likelier to hear them out and shut the relationship down or leave the asshole if he proves to be an asshole than if they're just the enemies of the relationship from the start. You know, you say that your sister's 17, 17 is almost 18. Age of consent in many states is 16. Washington State, where I am, the age of consent is 16 years old. 18 in California, 17 in Texas. Depending on where your sister is, even though she's 17, even though she's in high school, this may not be a case of statutory rape. But even if it is a case of statutory rape, and I disapprove of statutory rape, even though I'm kind of sort of the victim of a statutory rape or a whole summer's worth of statutory rapes. When I was 15 years old, I was dating a woman in her early 20s. She was my girlfriend. I lost my virginity to her. A lot of people have argued that me being honest about this and also open about the fact that I don't feel that I was in any way exploited by this woman. If anything, I exploited her. I used her to buy myself a little bit more time in the closet, You know, even though I was a musical theater kid, to buy myself a little bit more time luxuriating under the presumption of heterosexuality and the benefit of the doubt because I wasn't ready to be out yet. And in some ways I used her and in some ways she used me, but I don't feel I was the victim 
in that relationship. And it would have traumatized me had my dad, who is a Chicago cop, arrested my girlfriend. You're worried about this boy exploiting your sister and perhaps traumatizing her. Talk to your sister. Talk to your father, the sheriff. Ask her, your sister, what would traumatize her more? This relationship? And apparently your parents are comfortable with this guy and they've been with him and your sister. They vetted him and they're comfortable with it and they've approved of it. So this isn't something your sister is sneaking around and doing. She's not. If she were sneaking around with this guy, I would be more concerned if this was a relationship that he had encouraged her to keep secret from her parents. That would be a big red flag. But that he's been open with your parents and made himself available to your parents to be questioned, to be scrutinized, to be vetted. That is a good sign. And he's also making himself available to you for vetting by wanting to go to this concert with you and you can withhold your approval. You don't have to approve. You can be squicked out by the 1721 thing, by the age difference, but your disapproval isn't going to stop your sister from being in this relationship. So if you want to protect your sister, the more family members who are involved, the more family members who can scrutinize, question, vet this guy, the better for your sister, who is the person ostensibly that you want to protect. The bottom line here is that your parents have met this guy and they're comfortable with your sister continuing to see him. I would encourage you to meet the guy too and see how you feel about him after you've met him in person and take the opportunity, seize the opportunity, not just to meet him and not necessarily to even be polite, but to grill him. Ask him why the hell is a 21-year-old, he's dating a high schooler, dating someone who's 17 years old. Ask him about how they met. See if he can't, as he appears to have already done for your parents, answer your questions to your satisfaction. I get it. I am not comfortable with the idea of people in their 20s dating people in high school, as hypocritical as that may be. Because when I was 15 years old, I was dating someone in their 20s. When I was 17 years old, I was dating a guy in his late 20s. And my dad knew about, well, didn't know about the guy, but knew about the girl when I was 15. My dad, who is a Chicago police officer, grilled me about it, as did my mother, wanted to make sure I wasn't being harmed or exploited, and then allowed the relationship to run its course. By holding really the person who I was dating accountable, that person knew that my parents knew it made it safer for me to be in that relationship that I was going to be in anyway, whether my parents approved or not. In your case, your parents approve. I think you should go to the concert. I think you should meet the dude. I think you should pepper him with questions. See if this relationship doesn't deserve an exception. See if the reality of it as opposed to just the numbers of it doesn't set you at ease and make you feel more comfortable. And then be sure to tell your sister that you want her to come to you and be open with you about her relationship. If there's any problems or issues that they're having. You know, early in life, when we're in our first relationships, it really helps if our families can know about them if we have healthy, functional families. If our families can know about them because, you know, we've never done this before. I remember when my sister was a teenager and her boyfriend told her that if she loved him, they wouldn't use condoms. She wouldn't insist on him using condoms. And my sister was able to tell my parents that he said that to her and ask my parents whether that was true or not. And of course, my parents hit the roof. 
When I was 15 years old and dating a girl and my parents knew about it, they were able to yell and scream at me about birth control and hold me and my girlfriend at the time accountable. When I was 17 years old and dating a guy and still closeted, my parents didn't know about it. And I didn't have the benefit of being able to go to them and open up to them about what was going on in my relationship and ask for their advice because I didn't have their support. Your sister can go to your parents for advice. She should be able to go to you for advice too. But she's going to need from you what she's already got from your parents, which is your support. And you can support her without approving of 21-year-olds dating 17-year-olds. But in this case, in your sister's case, you're going to have to allow what you can't shut down and make some sort of peace with it so that you can be there for your sister if she needs you ultimately to help shut this down for reasons that may have nothing to do with the age difference. As we have frequently discussed on this program, on this show, bringing new ideas into the bedroom can add flavor to what you already enjoy. And way back in 2014, a two-woman startup called Dame Products broke the internet with a new idea of their own. They invented Eva, a vibrator for couples that provides hands-free clitoral stimulation. Eva's crowdfunding campaign brought in $575,000, making it the most crowdfunded sex toy in history. Five years later, Dame Products is out there on the front lines of sexual wellness with four vibrators, a sex pillow, all-natural lube, and much more to come. Founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops bedroom solutions with the help of real humans and real couples like you. They're closing the pleasure gap and helping the world one vulva at a time. If you order by February 6th, you can get Eva in time for Valentine's Day using free shipping. Just visit dameproducts.com slash savage for $10 off an Eva of your own. Hey, Dan. Guy from the Midwest here. My ex-girlfriend used to be a cam girl, and she was always under the impression that her performances were not able to be recorded. I admit that I have done some Googling that I probably shouldn't have uh, and I have found that there are sites that have some of her old videos from many years ago on them available to uh, some you can watch for free, some you have to purchase. Uh, she is not aware that these exist. Things did not end well with her. Um, and, you know, it's questionable that I know that they exist because, yes, I did look for them and shouldn't have. Should I tell her? that those are out there so that she can try to get them removed or should I just let this drop? She either knows that the videos are out there and there's nothing that she can do about it. And there's nothing that you can do about it. The videos are out there. They've been reproduced a hundred million times and there's no getting them off the internet now, but she either knows they're out there and there's nothing she can do about it or she doesn't know they're out there and she isn't tormented by the thought of them being out there. She lives in blissful ignorance about their existence. Either way, it's literally none of your business. This is your ex-girlfriend. She does not want to hear from you. It didn't end well. She will question your motives in looking for the videos in the first place, feel creeped out, maybe even violated by the fact that you, her ex, that things didn't end well with, was out there trawling the internet, looking for these dirty videos of her, and she will assume and I'm not saying that this is true, but she's very likely to assume that you're just reaching out to be shitty to her, 
to to blow up her day, to make her feel bad, whether she knows about the videos being out there or not, you as the messenger, you're not the right one. Even if there was something she could do to get the videos off the internet forever, which there isn't, you are not the right person to let her know that those videos are out there. So delete the links. Stop looking around the internet for your ex-girlfriend's cam performances from way the fuck back when and let her be. Let her be blissfully ignorant if she's ignorant about their existence or let her just be at peace with you out of her life. Free stuff is the best, but free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you will get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself, but here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code at checkout, SAVAGE, not only do you get 50% off that one item, you also get 10 tantalizing free items. First, for your viewing pleasure, six free movies. Next, a free mystery pack that includes an item for men, a special toy for women, and something for anyone, plus free shipping. Now, that's a lot of free Valentine's Day stuff. So head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use offer code SAVAGE. Again, that's S-A-V-A-G-E, SAVAGE, for 50% off nearly any item and a whole pile of free Valentine's Day stuff. That's SAVAGE at adamandeve.com. Hi, Dan. I'm a female, 29 years old, living in the South. I've been seeing this guy for a little over two months now, and we've pulled around quite a bit. He does a really good job pleasing me and making sexy times a lot of fun. However, it seems like he has a hard time keeping it up. I've never really experienced this before. I give him head, and he doesn't always get that hard. And the only way I've been able to make him come is from hand jobs. We've only had penetrative sex once, and it didn't last longer than about a minute. At what point can I bring this up to him? And how do I talk to him about it? I really like him. I like his personality. And I like hooking up with him. But I also really enjoy riding a dick. What do I do? You've been seeing him for a couple of months. And it sounds like you've really been enjoying the sex that you're able to have with him at this moment. Now, he may have ED and he may erectile dysfunction. And he may not have availed himself of the medications that work and that are effective and that could help him have the dick that you'd like to ride. Also possible that he is one of those guys who, with a new partner, nerves get the better of him. And the longer he is with someone, the more times he hooks up with someone, the more at ease he becomes, the less pressure he feels, particularly if that person is enjoying the sex he's able to have and not relying just on his dick and just on a rideable dick. And the erections will come in time. So if I were in your shoes, knowing what I know about men and their dicks, right or not, I would let it play out for a little bit longer. Give it another month or two where you have the sex that you can have with him and that you enjoy manual sex. Maybe introduce some penetrative toys if you miss that penetrated feeling and just continue to mix it up and tell him how much you enjoy Sex with him, defining sex really broadly to include everything, hand jobs, blow jobs, manual stimulation, him eating your pussy, using toys, not just PIV intercourse. And then if another month or two he's not achieving and sustaining an erection like they say in the ED ads, then you can gently bring it up while emphasizing that you really enjoy it and obviously penetrative PIV sex isn't a deal breaker for you, but it is something that you enjoy and you would like to be part of the mix. 
And at that point, you can ask him, have you considered getting a Viagra prescription or trying Cialis, one of the ED meds? They work. They're effective. And they would make it possible for us to add another sex act to our repertoire of sex acts that we enjoy and that I would like to continue enjoying. But hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully another month or two of rolling around and enjoying things with you, he will start busting out those boners and you will get to ride that dick. Valentine's Day is coming up fast. Even though it's a made-up holiday, it's still important to some, and that's okay. It's also the perfect time to show that special someone how much you care and say the three words everyone wants to hear. Match my undies. MeUndies has the most adorable Valentine's Day prints to get all lovey-dovey in this year. You can both wear the same pattern, different types of underwear, and be so teeth-gnashingly cute together. And don't worry if you don't have a partner. Me Undies also makes buddy bands so you can match with your pets. I'm a big fan of my Me Undies lounge pants. They are the most comfortable PJ pants, PJ bottoms I have ever owned. Their underpants are beautiful and they look great on people. And the fabric is soft, not just to the touch of your junk inside the underpants, but soft to the touch of your partner outside the underpants as well. Nancy and her whole family, they love me undies. When we get a shipment, Nancy is on it like an underpants jackal pulling out the ones that she wants. Also, someone told us that me undies has new loungewear. Rumor has it that it's loungewear you can wear out and about. Keep your eyes peeled for some cozy new additions to the me undies line in the next year. Me undies also has a great offer for my listeners. For any first time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping and they have a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee to get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping and a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. Go to me undies.com slash savage. That's me undies.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I had a baby in the past couple of years and I've been breastfeeding her since and it's going well, but we're ready to wean. And my question for you is about my husband who has been super supportive, great husband. However, he has wanted nothing to do with my boobs since I had my daughter. And at first it was like such a good thing because I wanted to just kind of let the boobs be a source of food for my baby. But a couple of years later, I have some resentment towards him about not touching my boobs. And we are getting ready to wean. And I know that he has expressed interest in adding the boobs back back into the mix. And I'm like, no, you have lost all privileges. So I don't know. I guess I just wanted a little bit of advice from you about how to approach this problem. So how long would it have been not a problem for your husband to back the fuck off your boobs while you were breastfeeding? You say that at first you appreciated that he left your boobs alone, that you regarded your boobs for a time as a source of nutrition for your new infant. So six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, obviously we're at 24 months and you're weaning. And in the last two years, while you were breastfeeding, your husband didn't pay attention to your boobs or wasn't grabbing at your boobs. And at first you appreciated that. At first that was considerate. Maybe your boobs were tender. Maybe your boobs were sore. Maybe your boobs were leaking. Maybe your nipples were chafed from all that breastfeeding when the teeth came in. Maybe you guys talked about the fact that your boobs were kind of 
off the menu for now. And it just seems a little self-sabotage of you at this point, now that you're weaning, now that the boobs can come back online in your sex life with your husband, to resent him for what you appreciated him for at the outset. You appreciated at the outset that he was giving your boobs some time and space, allowing them to do something else, serve some other purpose. And now that he's excited about your boobs coming back into your sex life, about your boobs being about the two of you again, something that you share and can enjoy and have fun with, you're angry at him. It seems to me, like I said, that that's a little self sabotage and you are faulting him for what you initially gave him credit for, which was giving your boobs some time and space. So tell him that maybe you made a mistake. The two of you made a mistake together. You gave your boobs a little too much time and a little too much space and you feel a little disconnected from them as fun bags and sex toys for the husband. And you need to hear from him how he's feeling, why he hung back for so long. And you need some reassurance about how important to him your boobs are so you can feel better about sharing them with him again. But I would encourage you to let go of your resentment, let go of your anger. It doesn't sound, at least from where I'm sitting, entirely rational. I'm curious as to whether when you, you know, had the, had the baby with your husband and began to breastfeed, if there was a conversation about, you know, him needing to leave your boobs alone and him needing to back off, if that was an explicit conversation, or if you two just sort of fell into that or that was just general advice about a breastfeeding mom that he'd been giving not to paw at her and not to grab at her tits because right now her tits are doing something else and not about him. If it was an explicit conversation you had at the outset, like, Hey, I need to back off my tits for now. And he did. And you never had a conversation at a year or a year and a half where you invited his attention again, then he's not necessarily at fault for hanging back and waiting. And Waiting until you've weaned, if he'd been told to back off while you were breastfeeding, seems like an entirely reasonable assumption on his part that, that he should wait until you've weaned before he comes for your boobs again or comes on your boobs again or at your boobs again. You need to have that follow-up conversation with him, particularly if you had an explicit conversation at the start about him backing the fuck off your boobs. You need to have a follow-up conversation now where you say, you know, own your feelings. You say... I need you to pay attention to my boobs again. I'm a little hurt that you haven't been paying attention to my boobs again six months ago, a year ago. If he backed off at your request, at your insistence at the outset and was waiting for your explicit invitation to get back on your tits, well, obviously he waited too long, can't read your mind. He can apologize for not being able to read your mind and he can get back on your tits, but you need to let go of the resentment. Hi, Dan, 28-year-old straight female calling from Australia. I have a friend who wants to start a fin-dom relationship with me where I would be the dom. Now, I am interested in exploring this with him. In particular, I'm interested in exploring being dominant. I typically err on the side of more submissive. I am intrigued. I find this interesting, and I do want to give it a go. However... He keeps talking about how he wants me to financially ruin him, which obviously is not okay. I'm not going to financially ruin anyone. Um, but I don't know how to kind of say that without spoiling the illusion. I, I love the idea of playing a game where we're talking about me financially ruining him and even involving a, you know, a little bit of money is fine, but I'm certainly not going to take all of his money as he seems keen for me to do. 
And then the other issue is he keeps wanting me to expose him to some of our friends that we used to have at university. And first of all, I, I don't speak to any of these people anymore, so it would be really weird if I suddenly messaged them. And secondly, I'm not going to involve anyone in our little sex game without their consent. But again, how do I say that to him? How do I maintain the illusion of potentially humiliating him without actually involving people, you know, without them knowing about it, which I don't think is okay. Zooming out for a second, I just want to say that it's really fascinating, and I'm going to challenge my listeners out there in academia. Someone needs to do a PhD, a dissertation on the emergence of Findom as a kink, really, I think, in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Of course, there were people who had submissives who gave them money, who paid them tribute. But this whole Findom fetish with that name, Cash Pigs and Findom, it didn't take off really until the last 10 years and change. And it suddenly exploded everywhere. And I think mass cultural traumas have a way of being processed through our erotic imaginations. We've talked about this in the past, I believe, when you look at the history of uh, BDSM or dom-sub imagery before the Second World War. It was really a pastoral. It was about class, the manor house, the stable boy, the French maid. And after the Second World War, it was really about fascism and dehumanization and black leather jackboots. And really the idea of BDSM shifted. And in the shadow of you know the 2008 financial crisis – the Great Recession, this Findom kink emerged where people have money, are going to be ruined, destroyed, uh, dominated by people who don't have money, who want to take their money. And it's just fascinating. And I'm a little inarticulate about it and just a little bit sort of obsessed with it. And so I'm laying down the gauntlet. I'm throwing out a challenge. Somebody out there in academia needs to do a study, needs to do a dissertation, needs to do some PhD level work on the emergence of Findom as a kink in the wake of the financial crisis. All right. So that's my little hobby horse. So your particular situation. Yeah, it's a paradox. He probably fantasizes about being ruined financially and better he should share that fantasy with someone who morally wouldn't ruin him financially, who wouldn't do that to him, but is willing to toy with that idea. And, I'm, and that's probably what he wants. There's a lot of people out there with – DS or power exchange fantasies who like to think about their, you know, ultimate fantasy, being locked away in a dungeon forever and disappeared. And there are some people out there online who say that that's what they want and that's what they're looking for and that's what they're masturbating about. But they wouldn't want that in reality. And if they got that for themselves, if they were the proverbial dog who caught that proverbial car, they would most likely regret it quickly. Same thing here. He would most likely regret it quickly. It's fun and sexy for him to say it out loud, to fantasize about it, to blow that load. But after he ejaculates, I'm sure he's happy to see that he still has his 401k or whatever the equivalent is in Australia. So what you want to do is basically what you suggest, that this is something you want to toy with, that you want to fantasize about. But you have a way of making that fantasy more intense and, and, and more real for him, which is by having the power – to ruin him financially without ever exercising it. I have a friend in another city who has a castration fetish. Not common, not unheard of either. He has a partner. His partner doesn't, wouldn't ever castrate him, but they do role play where his partner's in a position 
where he's helpless and his partner is in a position to do it. He has the power to do it. He could do it, but he doesn't. But they toy with during sex, dirty talk about the fact that at this particular moment, his partner could, even if they both know that he wouldn't. Still, the reality that he could makes it exciting for my friend who has the castration fetish. So here's this guy who has this fin sub fetish who's aroused by the idea of someone having the power to ruin him financially. Well, you can have that power. Just as my friend who likes to think about being castrated gets strapped down and his partner draws a knife across his balls gently without actually cutting them off. You can have access to all of his money, all of his savings, and you can make that clear to him by occasionally making a small withdrawal or moving something around and emphasizing to him that you could do this even if you aren't going to do it. But you can tell him that he has to live every day with the awareness that you could. And that should be enough. That should be arousing enough for him. And if it isn't, well, then this isn't a role that you want to play in his life. You're not comfortable being the fin dom who actually does destroy him financially. Toying with the idea, you're fine. Making it realer for him by having the power to, even if you don't, also fine. That should be good enough. Hopefully he's sane enough that that's good enough. As for involving your old college friends, obviously you can't involve people in your kink without their consent. You're certainly not going to drag people back in your life just to tell them this. But maybe you have some friends in your life that you share all the details of your sexual adventures with and they would be happy to be involved. Maybe they would be happy to go out to dinner with you on his dime as you take the few hundred dollars out of his checking account that you can because you have that power to treat your friends to dinner and tell them why, and they can text him a little thank you for the dinner. And that should suffice. And if it doesn't, well, then again, in this way too, you're not the right fin dom for him because you don't want to involve old mutual acquaintances that you're no longer in touch with and you don't want to ruin him financially. If he needs both those things, he needs to keep looking for some other fin dom. And finally, congrats on being such a kink-positive, ethical, thoughtful person that you were receptive to this, that you wrestled with the implications of it, that you're willing to think about how you might be able to explore this with this person that you enjoy and that you like, recognizing the validity of his fantasies, but also the validity of your boundaries and your comfort. Well done. All right, before we get to your response calls, let's read your Savage Lovecast tweets. Phoebe Maltz, Bovie tweets, have a lot of thoughts about the first Savage Lovecast call of the week from the woman who decided to give a guy a try despite not being attracted to him or enjoying sex with him. Thoughts including, if dude hears the call, which includes your graphic description of where he fell short, then you definitely won't get to be friends with him again, as is your expressed wish. But also just, why do this? Why be with someone you don't like in that way? I couldn't decide if I was more annoyed at society for asking this of women or at the caller for subjecting the dude to a pity fling and then complaining about this as if it happened to her. Sad liberal tweets, Dan, at the top of your show, you didn't just call bombing your high school with military-grade explosives the coolest thing you've ever done, did you? It wasn't cool. It wouldn't be cool today. I also said it was the stupidest thing I'd ever done and one of the most dangerous things I'd ever done. It was the walking away from the explosion like I was in an action movie. That felt cool. The actual military-grade bombing of my awful high school. You're right. You're right, sad liberal. Not cool. And finally, Pandachka tweets, 
at Fake Dan Savage. I was just listening to episode 412, a deep dive at work when my headphones disconnected and your voice blared from my phone, sticking your dick between the mattress and box springs and humping away. Fuck my life. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. Sorry about that. You're not the only person I've heard from who's had a problem with headphones dislodging and my voice saying something loud and inappropriate on a subway, in a car, in an Uber, at work, at home, at Thanksgiving. Keep those headphones plugged in tight when you're listening to the Savage Lovecast. All right. If you want me to read your tweet about the Lovecast, possibly on an upcoming episode, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now your response calls. Hi, Dan. Calling in response to episode 691. Usually I agree with your advice, but I had to pause the show to call in because your response to the girl in business with her ex-friend with benefits made me so angry. That man does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. When he kept asking her to sleep with him again after she told him she'd rather forget about their one night stand, he wasn't respecting that no means no. As you often say, women are socialized to defer to men, and saying no when you're asked repeatedly and desperately is difficult. She said she gave in. At any point during the call, did she seem interested in the sex she was having with this guy? His behavior was manipulative and coercive, in a classic nice guy way. Saying he can't be friends is another manipulation tactic. He knows they have to be together for the business, so he's punishing her by holding his friendship hostage and making their interactions as awkward as possible. I take this personally, because some version of this story has happened to me and many of my other buy and street female friends. Caller, I'm sorry this happened to you. I'm sorry that your friend's shitty true colors came out once sex was on the table. If I were you, I'd stop being in business with this man. Best of luck. This is a comment for the woman on episode 691 whose husband had kind of gross slimy spit while and she was pregnant. I have an alternative theory which might be that her heightened senses as a pregnant person are causing her to feel like his spit is gross. It might be that it's gross or it might be that she's simply having super senses at the moment because I certainly had them when I was pregnant. Hi, Dan. I'm responding to the caller in episode 691, uh, who talked about how he has lost his sex drive and also how he has blamed uh, the the news for kind of keeping him down. Um, I've had experiences like that uh, myself. It does sound like he is really depressed at this moment. Uh, and one thing that, that I have found is when I feel like the news is keeping me down, uh, it means I need to get off social media. You know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatnot, those platforms are, their algorithms are not designed to make you happy. They're designed to keep you on the platform and it's often quite unhealthy. So my number one point of suggestion would be uh, get out of the digital world, get into the real world, and also probably go see a therapist. All right, we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, you can give us a buzz. Or even better, you can use the Voice Memo app on your phone and then email us your question at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. My Dirty Little Film Festival Hump is on tour. It is in Albuquerque, New Mexico this weekend. Go to humpfilmfest.com to get tickets and to find out where else Hump is headed this year. Follow me on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Dr. Eli Chef on Twitter at Dr. Eli Chef. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. I'll be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for doing